This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here continuing our set of positional reviews this year, and uh, we're on to the inside linebacker position. This is a happy topic. Uh, a lot of the Ravens' defensive positions got better as the season went on. Uh, inside linebacker was probably the most dramatic, and the acquisition of inside linebacker, Roquan Smith, may be the most significant uh, change to the defense all year in terms of affecting other positions. In fact, I don't even think it's, there's a maybe about that. Uh, joining us to talk about that is Jake Vogel. Jake, you may remember, did the Roquan Smith acquisition pod when he was there. He's an Alabama guy, knew him from there, and uh, and had some great insights into him. And we really enjoyed that. So we thought we'd have him back for the inside linebacker review here and talk about the group this year. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Uh, thank right. you so much for having me. Yeah, wonderful for having you back. Of course, I need to thank our sponsor really quickly, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Please uh, try to give their product a try. They've been good to us. Uh, I think probably the most interesting thing about this, Jake, is since the Ravens uh, acquired Roquan, we didn't really know exactly what it would mean for the Ravens in terms of them being, would they still play some dime? Would they be a committed nickel team? As it turns out, they were really a committed nickel team in the second half. And some of that was having two good inside linebackers who can play, but some of it mm -hmm. also was a lack of talent in the secondary. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. Um, I, I really think, and, and we talked about this, and you've talked about it on other shows, the addition of Roquan Smith unlocked Patrick Queen to a level we hadn't seen yet in Baltimore. And I think his improved play, Roquan's level of skill, and um, that ability to make others around him better really made this defense um, in nickel uh, a really solid unit. And then on top of that, the secondary was was especially weak at the cornerback position, especially when you're looking at the slot corners mm -hmm. and CB3, it was just tough. Uh, and thankfully, with the 14th overall pick, the Ravens were able to select Kyle Hamilton, um, who I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit in, in the show, even though it's not about safety play. Yeah, I, I don't think you can avoid it. In a, in a show about inside linebacker for a team that has a rich history of dime play, um, it's it's more than they just have a rich history and they know how to coach it and they know how to play it and it's in their DNA from a lot of you know different coaching 
uh, Gantt chart overlaps, if you want to think about that from, from you know, it's, it's not just one head coach who's deciding there or one defensive coordinator. It's all the other position coaches that understand how to, you know, run a dime defense. And, and very importantly, the two guys have been running the show the entire time, Eric DaCosta and Ozzie Newsome, I think understand the value of platooning an inside linebacker, kind of underpaying for the second player at the position, even though they've had the green dot there for much of Ravens history. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that is going to be an interesting conversation going into this next season, um, whether Chuck Clark remains um, or if he's out the door, you could definitely see that green dot move to inside linebacker like it was for, you know, the majority of, of Ravens football as we know it. Yeah, absolutely. So Chuck Clark's really been the exception. Eric Turner had it. Jim Leonard had it for the 2008 playoffs. I like to mention that sometimes Eric Weddle had it at safety for uh, a couple of games. Tony Jefferson had it for like a game and a half, I believe. And then Chuck mm-hmm. Clark took it and has never given it up. Well, that's not true. Geno Stone had it for a game. So it's been a, been a bunch of safeties and uh, a handful of inside linebackers as well that have, that have had the thing. Those are usually the two positions that can ever wear the green dot because they're the only uh, non-rotational positions other than corner, which is just is you're often too far out of the play to come back and, and, and call the defense at that point. Absolutely. Uh, so we talked about this on a couple of the shows. So I don't want to go too deep into it. Let's just start with uh, what was happening at the beginning of the year before they became a committed nickel team. Um, they really had been let down by the dime some. And in, in particular, in the second half meltdown against Miami, mm-hmm. um, they allowed 11.0 yards per play in the dime defense that day, 286 yards on 26 plays. Uh, and that included some awful positioning issues. It was that first game for Hamilton, and he really looked terrible. Yeah, it was it was a tough start to the season. The offense was at its best and the defense was at its worst, um, especially with those fourth quarter collapses. Um, the Miami one sticks out you know, more than any other game, of course. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the, the secondary was, you know, going through a tough spell for sure. And, and I think as the year went on, Mike McDonald, uh, was able to adapt to his personnel a little bit better, understand what what they knew how to do, and the players also grew, and we ended up seeing a much better unit in you know the second half of the season. And with that, Roquan Smith came along. Yep, and uh, we'll we'll talk about Roquan now. Just just uh, a fantastic uh, uh, play this season. One of the things that really struck me is. When I look back at Roquan's tape, you know, you try and watch some good games and some bad games, but and and so maybe that's part of the problem is I'm watching some good games and bad games and I'm picking them based on that. But the play of Roquan, very mixed with the Bears this year, you know, not always stellar in previous years. If you look at the PFF scoring and whatnot, I did not go back to previous tape of him in previous years with the Bears, but I did look at 2022, and just he, he's not a in entirely consistent inside linebackers. I think he benefited also from being around good players. Maybe it's a fact, a function of not having to do as much, uh, you know, to cover for them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the Ravens are, I don't have to tell you about their, you know, historical makeup on the defensive side of the ball, but certainly that helps. Um, The identity of the team has been defense for really since the beginning um and having guys like Calais Campbell and young players like Justin Matabike, Broderick Washington, Brent Urban, uh those guys up front frees up uh Roquan Smith in ways that, you know, perhaps he wasn't able to to be free, you know, this past year while he was on the Bears for that, you know, first half-ish part of the season. They have had talented players um in Chicago in the past, Akeem Hicks um, Goldman as well, but mm-hmm. uh, certainly when the defensive line is a little bit better, the inside linebacker play is, you know, it's probably going to look better as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, uh, you know, having Coleus Campbell and some other guys who can pick underneath uh, can cause, you know, already confusion there is good, but the, the terrifically symbiotic relationship between him and queen. And, and one of the things the Ravens did a lot of, well, two, two types of blitzes that showed up in a, in a fairly vanilla scheme, um, two types of blitzes that showed up is a man lined up in the A gap and one back, and they would often switch. It would be the back guy who would rush and the up guy would drop. 
And I think they were just calling that on the field. As far mm-hmm. as I can tell, that's you know that was Roquan and Queen just on the field. Queen was asked to blitz a lot. Roquan would come up, didn't sacrifice too much. I didn't think in coverage to do so. I, I would agree, and, and I think you know going back to our pod discussing Roquan Smith, I kind of hinted at it. You did too. Roquan is the better coverage player between him and Queen, and I think that you know kind of solidified itself on you know for the ravens as well this season um you know queen is a he's a very good pass rusher when he can get downhill and he is free you know doesn't have to really work through the trash and roquan is good at everything but you know when you have one guy that's that's more of a specialized person it's a little bit better to put him in that role yeah yeah i agree i mean the the other the other thing and, and this has been something that i've that the queen improved on this year in, in some ways is uh, being a pick player uh, underneath and allowing other linemen sometimes uh, to, to get a good pass rusher or an outside linebacker to, to stunt over either one or two gaps to make a play. And I think it's mostly two we, we were we were seeing. But he you know can take on a guard right on the shoulder and whatnot, and, and, uh, and then all of a sudden somebody's over top of him. The other thing I really love with this is the cross blitzes with Roquan is that, you know, you see, and those usually come, one guy comes delayed after there's a cross. So it has elements of a stunt, but it's mm-hmm. done from the second level. So think about this is, is one guy crosses the face of say uh, in, through the a gap or across a player who may be the only player left to block it within a particular uh, two gap segment. Okay. And if he, if he, you know, takes the first player Part of that first player's job is to make sure the shoulders are turned properly so that second linebacker can come on a delayed basis and and, and get home. And you really need to get home because you're sacrificing two coverage players to do it. So yeah. uh, you know, you need to you need to make that. But I thought they had probably three or four really good cross blitzes that created the initial pressure. Uh may have in a couple of cases got the initial sack. Um, and, and that's not something they did too often. But the Ravens had a lot of two-man, two-man sack or pressure slash sack plays a lot of cleanup sacks absolutely agree i mean and and one that stands out goes back to the first steelers game this year um where patrick queen comes you know blazing out of there uh getting to kenny pickett this is you know the play that pickett ends up getting hurt on um queen gets there you think he's going to come down for a sack uh he somehow gets out of it and then roquan is right there to clean it up makes a very strong tackle, a little bit aggressive, but in a way that you like it as a fan of the Ravens, maybe not as much if you're a Steelers fan. And, um, you know, you saw that kind of play throughout the season where one of the guys would get there and it was usually Roquan and uh, Queen, you know, just working in tandem. Yeah, Roquan, tremendous, uh, good ball instincts, good ball awareness of where the football is. Uh, seems to read it quickly, probably picks up on other clues quickly. I know on Twitter, uh, a really, I thought, interesting clip got shown of him uh, in right, he was in zone responsibility uh, to just to the right of center. So it's a four-man up, up zone. Okay, and he had responsibility for there, and he's looking at a receiver at at, at a at a receiver who's opposite him, which might have been a split tight end or might have been a wide receiver. I don't recall which. And there's another receiver to his outside, and then the thing you notice is right before the snap, he looked at the slot receiver on the other side, and the reason he's doing that is he's trying to figure out is that guy crossing into mm-hmm. my area? Well, I have responsibility right. for him. And then he he knows because the, the the first guy went flat and the and the outside up front guy had him, all right. And then the the second guy went deep and Roquan released him to the, to the safety, of course. And then he he knew that his responsibility was the was the guy crossing. And that's how you 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 avoid get be getting beat on a crossing route. And unfortunately, he still did on the play. So from that perspective, he like ended up a little out of position. The guy still made the catch, but it was it was very good awareness. And and it's the kind of thing. We've really missed it inside linebacker in terms of understanding how route combinations or what receiver he's going to be left with. Yeah, I mean that that's a perfect example of it. And too bad he didn't make the play on on that specific example. But understanding what three players are doing on a given play in a matter of seconds um, is is pretty impressive, and it's something that's needed at that second level. And and thankfully the Ravens have Roquan for you know, the next number of years, four or five years. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's it uh, <laughs> hopefully because then they'll get the yeah, yeah. payoff from this contract if they if they uh, do. Uh, it would even be a bigger payoff if he if he got extended. But I, you know, you got to figure based on a start, the termination, the term of the contract, and the amount of money on the line. Um, this is a win for the Baltimore Ravens if Roquan Smith is an eventual member of the Ring of Honor, and I don't think it is if he isn't. If he if if we get to the end of this five year period, he's gone after four years, say, uh, and they they can't figure out how to get him extended or it doesn't work out or whatever. Uh, then I don't think he makes the Ring of Honor. If he if he plays out the whole five years or gets extended, um, then I think there's a good chance because it'll mean that last year will be very expensive and it'll mean he's playing at a very high level for the Ravens to pick it up. So it'd be it'd be exceptionally good, I think, in their case. So if you're if you're uh, Buying that number eighteen jersey this this uh, off season, I think it's a probably a good, pretty good purchase, and uh, I'm going to buy one. I'll I'll say that right now. Yeah, but he, I I already have mine. Haven't worn it yet, um, no. but I but I got it in the mail. Yep. Very good. Okay, did you get the pro style one or what did you get? No, I went with the classic. I didn't want to shell out the the additional money to get the the stitched lettering and all of that. I, I've it. done that. I've done that for a couple jerseys, and it's great. But you know, it's just it's, more. You know, it's a quantity versus quality thing. I know a young lady who's a, who's a she's she's not a young lady. She's my age, but <laughs> she's she has like fifty Steelers uniforms, and she unabashedly will order her ten favorite players in the cheapest Chinese made ones, and often gets misspellings in the name, or occasionally gets misspellings in the name and whatnot that that come from them. You know, doing this after hours work at the factory there, right? To, to get this done, but you know, it is you can make a choice. You can go quantity or you can go quality, but you, it, but it's tough to have both. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah right. I, I got mine from NFL Shop, which is the same thing as Fanatics, which you know, pr- pretty standard. I'm not going to some knockoff, but at the same time, it's not like the the authentic field-worn jersey you may see your co-workers cracking open a can in your 9 a.m stand-up meeting but it's most likely not beer it's a new mountain spring water called liquid death you've heard me talk about this many times why is it called liquid death well because it'll brutally murder your thirst plus it's infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to be a bring a death to plastic bottles did you know plastic's not even really recyclable anymore it ends up just going to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Meanwhile, aluminum is recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities. You guys know how much I love Liquid Death. It's in everything I do. I take it to work. I take it to the ball club. I take it when I'm out with the kids. I got them right here on my can on my desk because I'm recording a podcast. I'm always with it. What's cool now is I'm seeing you guys on Twitter talk about how you're grabbing your cans and going to work. So send me those stories about what you're doing and how you're cracking open a tall boy in odd situations because, hey, it's water. And not only is it water, it's the best water that you can go out there and buy. It's cold. You can drink it with whatever you're doing. So going out there, Get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool by going to liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. Yeah, love those. Uh, I, I've I've come to really love those. We, we, one thing we haven't really got set in our house is that, that I don't need any more black jerseys. I have a black <laughs> web and a yeah. black Ray Lewis. And, you know, it's yeah. great to have a – it's nice to have one, but – uh, I need more purples. Just plain, plain old purples. Yep. All right. Anyway, let's get back to it. Uh, Roquan Smith, uh, uh, in terms of his run defense, just outstanding. Uh, negotiating the, the the position to the ball, we, we saw fantastic downhill play, getting to gaps quickly, stretching out to the play well. And it does seem like a lot of the rest of the defense, and Patrick Queen is certainly a huge beneficiary, but there's others as well in the secondary. I think even the corners – and you know certainly the safeties are looking at him to try and figure out what's going on. Um, are really getting a good read off the way he stretches a play out, and he's he's just too quick for a lot of offensive linemen, in particular guys who are coming around on power screens with pulls uh, to necessarily get there in time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's still a really fast player, knows how to shoot the gaps, knows how to get around linemen, and really diagnoses the run and diagnoses the pass at a high level. Uh, you, you see that time and time again. All right. Outstanding. So uh, the other thing we talked about his coverage a little bit, loved his downhill tackling in coverage. There are a whole lot of plays underneath where if you throw short of the sticks with Roquan mm-hmm. behind you, that's not going to be a first down. 
So that that just was some some really big contributions where he made were in drive ending plays. In fact, there's one of the games this year. I think it was the Cincinnati game in week 18. He had four tackles, tackles, not not passes defense, not in coverage, and the ball was incomplete, but four tackles short of the line of gain that ended drives, which is really incredible for one game. You think about most of your drives end up with sack, turnover, uh, incomplete, uh, or, or, you know, those are, those are really the main three, but, but he had four of them that were, that were either pass plays underneath that Burrow had thrown that didn't make it or, or he ran, uh, ran down the ball carrier. Yeah. Phenomenal. And and when you were talking about that, it immediately, obviously the most recent games were the two versus Cincinnati. And he was just phenomenal in those games playing physical, coming downhill, and making tackles short of the sticks. And that's like, exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Gives you a good feeling about, about the decade to come against Burrow because it looks like that contract may get done over the season, and and uh, Roquan and Burrow will be adversaries probably for a long time to come. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to Patrick Queen and, and how he benefited a little bit from this relationship. Obviously, we talked about him some. It, it would not be fair to give – Roquan 100% of the credit for Patrick Queen's good season. He he stepped up and was doing so even before Roquan arrived. Absolutely agree with that. Yeah, he was already playing pretty well. Um, started the year, you know, a little bit off and on, and then you know got into his groove before Roquan arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I think it just unlocked more when when Smith, you know, entered the the Ravens facility. Yeah, I, I I I certainly agree. I Patrick Queen's start in terms of being a tackler this year was again a little rough. Uh, sources vary, but he might have had eight missed tackles in the first five games. Uh, and I think that that uh, if you look at PFR and PFF, that'll give you two different numbers on it. I score it myself too, and I, I don't have that number in front of me, but it's either eight or it's uh, or or. or I, don't remember if it's seven or six on the, on the PFR, but then he went a five game stretch and he had, as I count it, one missed tackle. I don't think it's the same one that PFF has, but they have him also for one missed tackle during that time. And that was really exceptional. I think PFR yeah. might have him for zero missed tackles in that five game stretch. And it was wow. like 35 tackles or something during that time. It was a, a significant number of total, you know, tackle contributions that he had solo and and as the assist, uh, so it's not insignificant. It's just a completely different player. Um, and the the second to last game of that was Roquan's first game with the team. So so you know it's it's fair to note that he was already you know playing that way when Roquan got here. He already you know he started his his significant ascension. Absolutely, yeah. That those numbers you know speak for themselves. That's that's phenomenal. Now, of course, the big elephant in the room, and we, we've talked a little bit about pass coverage. I don't want to beat on Patrick Queen for that anymore. I thought there's right. elements of that that were better this year. There's other elements that that um, probably were also better and still not good enough. Okay, right. so so the you know the ability to really stop the play between level two and level three to do the same kind of diagnosis we talked about with Roquan, I don't see that as really being there for Patrick Queen still. But he did at least have a couple interceptions this year. And they were of the good type, a throw beyond him that he stepped in front of with lateral movement. And that nice scissoring action is where a lot of those interceptions come from. I've talked mm-hmm. about this on the show before, but you know, the quarterback is, is laser focused in when he's staring down a receiver on how do I get that ball to my guy just past the guy who's trailing him? Because that seems like the big risk there. But then the other guy coming the other direction is moving in relative speed much faster because He's coming into the picture, and the other guy's coming towards him with, with who the quarterback's trying to lead. So in a relative sense, um, that player often gets missed. Uh, it's uh, Great quarterbacks have that you know frog wide-angle visit vision, and they don't miss him. But uh, you know, we've had Joe Flacco is oftentimes on those sorts of interceptions, just never saw the guy. <laughs> right. But uh, goes, goes good interceptions anyway for Patrick. Nice to see him get number one off Joe Burrow. For sure. Yeah. I, I think some of the splash plays that he made um, in pass coverage were much needed. 
Uh, I think it it helps a lot the the perception of him and coverage, even though you know those are high variance plays. You know, making big plays in big moments is what defense really is in today's NFL. Yeah. Um, more more than trying to just hold teams to a low yardage total without much context, I think creating turnovers at a consistent clip is is really what defense is about right now and in giving the offense the most opportunities possible. Um, you know, th- that's what it's about. So uh, he did a good job in that sense. And I, and I think he will still improve in pass coverage, you know, as the years go on, but it may just never be his thing. Uh, you're, I don't think you're ever going to have a sentence where you're comparing Patrick queen to, you know, Fred Warner. And, and that's not really fair for, just about any linebacker in coverage sure. because like he's phenomenal. He can run with wide receivers like you saw against um, CD lamb, you know, in the Cowboys game, mm-hmm. but um, you know, he, he will improve some of the, the stuff that he does is just over pursues, you know, gets kind of stuck in his tracks and, you know, arrives late or, you know, d- definitely just has some difficulty, um, you know, in the red zone, that's that's what I'm thinking of in the red zone on on some crossing patterns where he should be the guide if he just stays in his zone, but he moves a little bit too much and gets out of the way. Yeah. It, it certainly some still some things to work on for Patrick Queen. I think that DaCosta is not just using GM speak when he says we really thought Patrick was the player he could be this year. I think that's a that's the way to approach it. Because I, I I really hate it when the team says, "What are you talking about? Everything's been fine his whole three year career," kind of thing. And and you know, there's a tendency to do that. Or you know, even if if you if you were to say now that he elevated his play to a Pro Bowl level or what, I'm not even sure that's true. Honestly, he played he, he played good inside linebacker, and he and he looked he was able to accentuate that uh, even more when he was next to when he was next to Roquan. I, you know, I know he, there was a Pro Bowl movement to try and get him voted in, and he didn't make it. I think actually it would have cost the Ravens some money on the cap too. By the way, if that had happened, so oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's actually kind of a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, the the uh, it's it's a the Buffalo guys and whoever else got in. I, I, I you know, I'm sure they deserved it, and Roquan certainly did uh, in terms of his All Pro nod. So, uh, uh, you know, that's. Uh, uh, it, it is what it is for Patrick Queen. I think there's still a possibility he's a Pro Bowl player. I think um, he probably should want to stay in this system. But uh, you know, getting back to the elephant in the room, which I really haven't mentioned yet, is I don't think the Ravens are going to pay two inside linebackers. I think it's just counter to their DNA. I think it's counter to their organizational philosophy. And when you can save a lot of money uh, with a platoon, you take less injury risk at the position. And I've got to believe this is setting us up for a trade of Patrick Queen at some point during the next two seasons. Agreed with that uh, 100%. And, and I was going to chime in real quick when you were talking about the Pro Bowl. Um, it definitely helps in the short term uh, with the cap situation that Roquan did not get a Pro Bowl. But I have to believe if, for whatever reason, he got into the Pro Bowl and maybe some GM that's not paying attention as closely to his entire um, – you know, spectrum of body of work. Yes. Uh, that a pro bowl nod for him would be more alluring and that maybe the Ravens could, could get a deal done, um, you know, with a little bit more draft capital for a player like queen. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously right now, queen has a lot more value than he will a year from now. Uh, If, if he's got two years left of team control, uh, one of the things that came out of the presser was that that Eric DeCoster wasn't willing to say whether Patrick Quinn is going to get the fifth year option or not. It's not that expensive, so I think he would uh, would be my guess in a vacuum. But with the Ravens and and the Jackson situation being what it is, and probably also not wanting to spend the money, I don't think they want to, you know, get a situation where they say anything that Queen would be unhappy with later. Uh, he might interpret as a promise or whatever. And, and the other thing is you really just don't want to tip your hand in any way that, that you don't need to, to the other teams in the league who might acquire him from you. If you're, if you do truly want to trade him. So they'll make the move when they, when they make the move and they'll not do it if they, if they can't, 
Uh, I think they're 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 being good about it to say we've got two good players there right now, mm-hmm. and and hopefully you know we get a great 2023 out of both of them. Uh, and if not, hopefully we get some significant draft capital for Patrick Queen. Uh, agreed with that. Would I, I, quick question for you? Wouldn't it be more beneficial for them to give him that fifth year option, even if they're not going to keep him? Or or do you think that's something that they should just leave untouched in trade prior to that deadline coming up? That's that's it. Because they, they I mean, for starters, the new team won't know any better than the Baltimore Ravens will uh, okay. on whatever date it is. It's it's early in the in the league year that they have to announce that tagging that that fifth year option is is given. Um, so it, it, from from uh, to answer your first question, yes, the other team would want him to be set up for that. But the other team um, m- might also say, you know what, don't put the fifth year option on him because we, we're not sure he's worth that. But if you trade him to us, we'll try and work on a deal in season with him that extends him and we'll get the one year out of him. So it could be, you know, they might be thinking about it from that perspective. Right. But either way, I mean, they, they've got the decision to make. I'm sure if the, if the date comes up, they'll think very strongly about uh, about uh, giving him the fifth year deal but that has not come across uniformly for inside linebackers the year of the two devons devon mm-hmm. white got it devon bush did not so the steelers right. you know they're a, they're a, a, an organization that understands things and they said you know what he's been pretty good for us but we're letting him go yeah yep all right so anyway obviously the in, the inside linebacker situation is is closely tied with the safety situation the Ravens safety group still looks very deep right now. It still looks deep, even with Hamilton as a slot corner. I mean, we can talk about him as being a matchup player or this or that. He's not any of those things. He's a slot corner right now. And that could change. He could move to a different position. I think he could unlock even more value in his own play from it. But I I think I personally would be loath to do that if I were, you know, Mike McDonald right now, if, if, if it in fact is his choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton played extremely well at the slot corner position, um, much better than I expected and probably most Ravens fans, considering that wasn't what he did uh, at Notre Dame. He was just a really good safety, uh, not not as much as a slot corner, although he did play a good bit in the box, and I think that's where his next progression would go if Chuck Clark ends up being traded or cut this off season, I, I think a trade makes more sense. It just, you have to have, you know, multiple bidders. You, you probably do have Possibly. to have multiple. You probably do have to have multiple because if it's one, they'll just say, you know, yeah, what? We'll just we, we know. Yeah, we'll wait. But if it's, if the giants and jets both want him and, you know, those are two organizations right. that certainly know the value of Chuck Clark, then they, they might say, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a fourth or a fifth for probably not a fourth, probably a fifth for him. And, uh, you know, it's, he's got a team friendly contract for this year. He's not a, he's not overpriced or anything for who he is. He'll come in and lead your defense. If, if you've got a short coming there, if you've got a rookie inside linebacker or you just drafted your, your next signal caller, Chuck Clark could be perfect for your team in terms of calling the signals for one year. Yeah. It, uh, I, I would think, I would think somebody should want him, but then again, nobody really gets the value of the Ravens players outside the organization if they don't. If they don't have, you know, kind of obvious star quality, uh, star traits like Zaria Smith yeah. or Matthew Junon. And I think that actually might be a good thing for the Ravens is that is that, you know, they have these very cool platoon fits like Patrick Ricard or Chuck Clark, who, who don't really make sense to anybody other anybody mm-hmm. else in the in the same way. Agreed with that as well. Uh, so with that being said, what uh, what would you say the odds are? Um, of Chuck Clark being on the team in 2023, I would like to see it, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Here's what I'd like to see because depth never holds up. That's the first rule of football. I would like to see Clark at strong safety. I'd like to see Hamilton at slot corner. I'd like to see uh, Williams obviously at free safety. Really defined roles there. But the one exception would be I'd like to if Queen is gone. I'd like to have Clark then free to move up to play his old dimeback role on obvious passing situations, which might cover anywhere between 27, 28% of snaps and up to as many as about 43 or 44% of snaps. If you're doing, and and that's not only that it's that percentage of snaps, they're super high leverage snaps, guys. Mm -hmm. These are the really important snaps you need to win in the NFL. 
And and if that happened, then Stone, I think, would be very good at going to the back end. And then that protects the team, acts as an umbrella over all of the safety positions if they're missed. Stone would move in at free safety as he did this year, and I thought played very well. Um, you know, Clark obviously has multiple positions he can take over. The only position where you'd really, really, really suffer from an injury is if anything happened to Hamilton at slot corner. Agreed. I think that's going to be a key for the Ravens this offseason. Um, in the draft and in free agency to bring in some more corner depth mm-hmm. and it, not just depth too. I, I think you're going to need some starter level quality players coming in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, we can get into Marcus Peters if you want um, just touch on that. If you think he'll be back or no. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we got to, got to move on to the other inside okay. linebackers here. And I, I apologize for doing that to you, but we've been, we have talked a lot about Marcus Peters in the cornerback show. And I want to have, have people listen in on that. Please do. Uh, but we're going to move on and talk about Josh Bynes here. Uh, unfortunately, Josh looked a little slower. Uh, he had been beaten father time for a long year. Always, a, you know, kind of a joke to me that the Ravens could sign him whenever they want. He could fix their inside linebacker core and, if you have an underperforming inside linebacker, you just point to the phone and say, you know, I can have Josh Bynes here in a minute. I just have to pick up that phone. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's like Kaiser Soze. That's that, that Josh Bynes name is to, to any underperforming inside linebacker. But anyway, t- team guy, I think future clearly in, in coaching. And I, I love the way the Ravens treated their veterans this year. They do that, you know, pretty normally. They did it obviously with Boyle, with Bynes. They probably did it with some other players that I – that I can't think of. I wouldn't count what they did with Worley as being particularly, you know, in his favor, but it was because they liked him. They made 18 transactions with Daryl Worley this year. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else about Bynes? Future? Uh, what do you think? I, I do think he has a future in coaching. Um, I believe he's expressed it multiple times in press conferences and he has the right demeanor for it. Uh, and he seems to love the Ravens organization. So, I mean, I say similar to Zach Orb, bring him right back. If he wants to, you know, learn and and coach on the way, then that's great. All right, that's out, that's outstanding. I would love that too. Whether I think he could, I, he didn't play special teams this last year, which is one of the things that was keeping him from being active even after he was kind of out of the out of the job. But I bet he could coach special teams. He he certainly played it a lot during his career, so it's uh, would really be a question. Oh yeah. Malik Harrison, we talked a little bit about at the outside linebacker, but we'll talk about him a little bit more here. Played about 21% of the snaps this year, and a lot of that was at outside linebacker and not inside linebacker, where he was effectively an early down, run-stopping outside linebacker who was relieving a lot of the snap pressure on that group early in the season when there just weren't anybody who could stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you saw it at Ohio State, and you had some Ravens fans clamoring for it for whatever reason. Um, we saw him in that role early in the season, and thankfully the the outside linebackers got healthy. We brought JPP in, and uh, then we didn't have to worry about Malik Harrison playing on the edge. Yeah, it uh... – Malik did a bunch of good things. Pass rushing was not one of them this year, right. but he but he did he did some good things. He wasn't in there for many passing downs, but uh, and I didn't look at his pass runs uh, um, difference. But even then, he's he's going to be not completely green lit to rush the way you would be when you're pinning your ears back and can get wide on third down and fan out that tackle and you know toy with your catnip kind of thing. Uh, that that's just not Malik's game, and and uh, I. At outside linebacker, it limits what he has to do in coverage some, uh, which I think is probably good because he hadn't been getting the job done really at inside linebacker in coverage. Agreed with that. Um, I think he is a, a good run defender, and that's kind of about it at this point. He can, you know, he can contain, you know, hold the edge a little bit um, from that outside linebacker position, and that that's about it, I, I would say. So here's the question for Harrison is, does he come back to play the, the to be the base weak side linebacker next season? Because, I mean, presumably if if sorry, I, I have to make this clear. If if Patrick Queen is traded, do you bring Harrison back to be that or do you look outside the organization and and start over and say, you know, Harrison really wasn't getting it done there to start with? Or do you at least have another guy who could step in as the starter? And, you know, the, the, the kind of. 
match you want is like an LJ Fort, a guy who who can mm-hmm. do some coverage, who also can can do a little bit of everything kind of well at that weak side linebacker spot, uh, and also play special teams if while you're at it, if you if you really want to do it. Harrison's clearly going to is as a place on this team for years. Um, so yeah, let me, let me get your answer on that question. First of all, do you, sure. do you bring him back to play the weak side? I wouldn't, you know, put him in with ink at all, but maybe you bring a pencil with a good eraser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you put him on the roster, you know, you know, tentatively for sure. And then you see how the draft goes and you see how free agency works out in, in some cuts. And then, then you go from there, I would say. All right. It's uh, one of these players that uh, uh, is is pretty secure in his role because of his special teams play that, that he that he you know obviously is liked there. Um, there's some other special teams players who might be graduating. Um, in particular, I think Welch. This is probably his last year with the Ravens. We'll see. He might have one more, but but I would I would guess that he's not going to be back. Um, we, we, when we look at other other players, um, uh, Josh Ross will be back next year and. Mm-hmm. Probably trying to compete for that weak side spot. Yep. Um, and uh, I, Ross is a Mike in college, correct? Yes, I believe so. Okay, I, I can't recall like, exactly. He wasn't one of the players I looked at um, during the draft process last year, so I'm trying to. I'm, I'm actually trying to remember. But anyway, showed certainly some coverage chops during the preseason. Uh, we we've learned by touching that hot stove many times. That's not the best barometer of things. <laughs> yeah, I think the preseason in general is not the best barometer for uh, expectations of players in the regular season. Um, that certainly extends to linebacker play. But I, with that being said, I am excited for Josh Ross, uh, especially with that Michigan connection experience with Mike McDonald. You know, previously, I I I do have some decent hopes for him developing and you know sticking on this roster. Okay. Some other guys who played uh, this year, A.J. Klein uh, played 18 big snaps. Uh, there's Delshawn Phillips played a lot of special teams. He played one defensive snap, and he almost got a roughing the passer penalty. I don't know if that had anything to do with it in terms of him not getting time after that, but he literally he like jumped on the pile on a quarterback, and it was it, it, it looked like the official was getting close to, to doing it. In fact, it looked like Delshawn really knew, knew he'd done something wrong and was kind of like getting up quickly. Uh, to, to to indicate that he hadn't kind of the way you know like defensive yep. lineman kind of throws his way up say I'm not holding or an offensive lineman rather. Um, anyway, I think that that pretty much handles the other guys. But the but the the Harrison is the guy who, I think uh, Ross Ross could do this too. Ross could be an integral part of the team because he's got three years remaining under team control. But Harrison entering now year four, his chance to stick is to become the new Albert McClellan if he's. Mm-hmm. If he becomes an inside linebacker slash outside linebacker, exactly what McClellan was, good run stuffer, which he's he'll have to make sure he can continue to do that from the inside and the outside. And then he also has a, a huge role covering kicks. If he can do all that, Harbaugh certainly has a soft spot for that when when making final calls on the roster. And I think there's a, there's a, a pretty good chance he could be signed to a set of consecutive two-year contracts. I do not believe there is a spot out there for Malik Harrison as some other teams, Mike linebacker to start. So it's really, this is a case of maximizing career value and trying to figure out how can I earn $4 million more playing this game for four more years. Um, And I think Harrison can do it playing special teams and there won't be a lot of pressure. If he's, if he does it well, there's never really a lot of pressure to get it, get rid of him because the, that veteran salary cap minimum really plays into the team's hands in terms of keeping cap costs down. Agreed with that. And I think that was the perfect example of what Harrison should aspire to be at this point. Mm-hmm. An Albert McClellan type, um, a Brendan Iomadejo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just a special teams ace. And if he can do that, um, then he will have a long career. I mean, you know, as long as he wants to and is as long as he's healthy, um, there will be a job for him, especially in Baltimore, where they care so much about special teams. Here's my prediction question for this show. We'll just do one of these is Harrison had 21% of the snaps this year. Do you think that's uh, what is the probability he'll ever play more in a single season than that? The rest of his career. Um, I okay, would I'm s- writing down my number. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I would say about 35%. Okay, I said 25, but we're both accounting for injury in that thing. So yeah. opportunity could happen. Uh, some other team may have an injury and, and look at the Ravens and say, hey, this is a guy we'd like to have. Uh, might be hard to pry him away under those circumstances. It probably happened with the Ravens, honestly, if it happened at all. Right. No. Uh, anything else about 2023 we want to discuss? Because I think we've covered much of what we're doing. So the big question is really, weak side linebacker, will they go back to a platoon or will they stick with Patrick Queen? Uh, they clearly have something really nice. And by the way, we're talking a lot about trading Patrick Queen. It's not like I don't realize that the Ravens really have something special in this oh, tandem yeah. of inside linebackers. Yeah, I agreed. And, and for me, Queen is right now a good enough player or very good player that you do not want to trade him unless you're getting the appropriate value. Uh, there is a point where you do not trade him. Uh, in my opinion, you know, a second to third rounder is kind of that range. Anything below that, I feel like you're getting better value for the 2023 team than you would be getting in a in a return of a player that you might draft. Yeah, um, I completely yeah. agree. In fact, I I wouldn't go down to a third. I think I think the question is right. whether the JJ points fit in at the top end or the bottom end of a one or the top end of a two. Maybe as far down as the mid end of a two. But think about what Orlando Brown was traded for. Orlando Brown, you know, obviously a a star player, but he's about to get paid, and he only had one year left. Uh, on his rookie deal, and that he wasn't at the minimum anymore, so he'd been escalated already. So he was making what three and a half million or something at the time. But he's good. He was uh, uh, traded for what equivalently was a mid-second round pick at that point. Patrick Queen, I think the Ravens would look at it this year and say, "Look, two years of value. You're going to have to really give us something for Patrick Queen. We've we've done the tough part. We've waited right. for him to be a good player. He's that now. He's got two years left of team control." Um, he's worth a high second round pick probably. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, it might be a, you know, a, a low one for a, for a three kind of trade that mm -hmm. you end up with if, if you're, you know, maybe being a little bit optimistic for Ravens fans, but something like Marquise Brown, uh, last year might be, might be where he would fit in. I agree with that. And, and really for me, it was, it's more of a second. Um, that's kind of where I, I cut the draw the line. But uh, I just threw the third in there in case um, others didn't see the value quite the same way. All right. All right. Well, they don't have to agree with you, but you're, you're, you know your stuff, uh, Jake. So I'm sure they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll understand that. Um, let's see. Anything else we need to talk about? Any possibility the Ravens use a draft pick in inside linebacker this year? I, if I, if I was going to put the, you know, some odds on it, um, it would be very low. Uh, I would, you know, barring a Patrick Queen trade, it would be very low. If if Queen does not get traded, it's much lower. If Queen gets traded, then of course, um, you know, it, it could bump up. Um, probably, probably fifteen percent probability, okay. in my opinion. All right, that's a good mix of probabilities there. I could see you're waiting at thirty percent Patrick Queen gets traded, and then fifty percent chance yep. they draft an inside linebacker kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably a pretty good guess. I think that even with a late round stab, the Ravens just have too many needs to to uh, uh, to look right. at inside linebacker. Of course, they look for value, but your value it's more important to get value the earlier your pick is in the draft. When you're when you're drafting late in in you know a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, you know it's if, the, if there are cases where somebody drops completely out of a reasonable value range. But most of the time, that that doesn't happen. There's some, you know, flag about the player that the Ravens may have as well, and so they don't usually, you know, draft opposite need late. You draft opposite need early. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and sometimes you do see it, like you're talking about tight ends, the classic double dip. Mm -hmm. You know, Ravens taking Mark Andrews in the third round. The value was there, you know, and thankfully he turned out to be the better player um in that 2018 draft class but yeah yeah great uh and, and that's what that's happened like four times now so <laughs> yeah. we're yeah we're good well jake always a pleasure to talk football with you thanks for coming on and talking about the inside linebacker position and uh uh 
we've we've enjoyed both of our conversations recently, and they've been the pleasant topic of of Roquan Smith being uh, being involved. We'll make sure we have you on for a regular season show, and like also have you on for a draft for a, a particular position if you're interested in that. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, we'll definitely talk about that. All right, I'll say. Tell folks where they talk football with you online. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter primarily. So uh, my handle is on the screen here. If you're watching this on YouTube at all, no, we're not doing that. No, uh, it's, it's, just, at, it's just a podcast. It, it's at Real Jake Vogel, R E A L Jake Vogel, V O G E L. Um, feel free to talk Ravens or Georgia football. Um, I'm very proud of my Bulldogs, back to back national champs. So thank you for having me on. All right. Well, congratulations on on Georgia's incredible national championship <laughs> performance. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, the big show type where we have coming up is that one play. You pick one play in Ravens history, and we talk about that for about 15 minutes. Uh, whatever angle you want to. I'll always have kind of a historical bent on things. How did this change things? How was this a, a turning point? Uh, but some people, you know, what one, one photographer wanted to talk about uh, what his view was on the field for some plays and another uh, another person, you know, want to talk about it was their first football game. And, and this is what got me interested in this player. All that's fine. You, you pick it, have your own reasonings. You be you. And I'll be happy to have you on the show. And, and uh, we're looking as broad a group as possible. I'm looking to meet as many new people as possible through this process. And so if you've got 15 minutes to spend on that uh, DM me uh, with the play you want uh, and they're always open and I'll respond to you very quickly. Jake, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, Ken. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.